Welcome to Mindset Reset Radio. I'm your host, Jess, and I'm on a mission to help female entrepreneurs like you get intentional in life and business. So if you're feeling stuck, you're looking for inspiration, or you just want to be reminded that you're not alone on this crazy entrepreneurial journey, you've landed in the right place. You can join our community of intention getters on Instagram at Jessica Thiefels, that's me, and you can learn more about how I can support you in business and mindset at jessicathiefels.com. Finally, if you love what you hear, please don't forget to rate and review the podcast. I'll be forever grateful. Now, sit back, grab a journal, and get ready to start living with intention. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Mindset Reset Radio. We have an awesome guest today. I'm actually just meeting her today for the first time, but we've been talking for the last like 15 <laughs> minutes, not on the podcast. So finally, we're on the on the mic. Erin um, King is a best-selling author, a three-time entrepreneur, and CEO of the Socialite Agency. She's helped clients ranging from the Academy Awards in Hollywood to the United States Navy at the Pentagon at the Pentagon, communicate more compellingly. Excuse me, guys. This is just such a great bio, you know, it's just tripping me up. Um, Using her award-winning pub method. She is the author of Digital Persuasion and You're Kind of a Big Deal, which both draw from her personal and professional experiences, having founded three companies before the age of 40. Off-duty, you can find her either mountain biking with her husband, Hartman, FaceTiming with her huge, crazy Irish family, or being an annoyingly extra dog mom to cover to a cavapoo named Betty White. <laughs> Love the name. <laughs> Welcome, Erin. Sorry about that mess up in the bio, but we're human. We do it, right? I love it. Thanks so much, Jessica. Yeah, Betty White's actually having a little snooze here. Usually whenever I'm on a podcast, that's right as soon as it starts is when she starts wanting to play and barking and eating. So today we have uh, the stars in our favor because she just went to sleep. So hopefully she won't wake up and bark during this episode. (laughs) All right. Good, Betty White. Take a little nap there. Um, Well, welcome. I'm so glad to have you here today to talk about this really fun topic, actually. Um, but before we dive in, tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do. Well, I'm an author. I write books just like you. Uh, I'm a full-time keynote speaker coach. I have an online course called the social media spa. And my mission is to help women. I mean, I really am super passionate about helping women level up how they show up online, offline and all the time. So two thirds East coast, one third West coast. 100%, you know, psyched to be here and psyched about this new book that um, I have sort of poured my blood, sweat and tears into kind of, I was telling you earlier, um, you know, reading the actual hardback book yesterday, it kind of felt like I'm on YouTube totally naked and not with a filter. And it's really scary, but it's too late now. It's printed. So no, no turning back. (laughs) I know. Right. I'm like, that's my biggest fear. Once it's printed, it's like, Oh God, if I catch a mistake, I'm going to go crazy. Like I can't deal with that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, especially being in the digital world, we're so used to being able to just like, you click the little dots, you can edit, you can felt Mm -hmm. cute, might delete later. Not in the publishing world. It's black and white. Nope. It's here. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for being with us today and tell us like, I guess, give me a little background. Why, why do you like talking about audacity and helping women become more audacious. Tell us about like, why are you passionate about this topic? 
Yeah, I think because in the last couple of years, I was talking a lot about digital communication. That's my sort of my expertise. Um, I ran a social media agency for 10 years and I had an e-commerce company called PMS.com, which was a <laughs> tampon delivery service that was featured Amazing. in Forbes. And I actually, my first company um, was called Jump Digital Media, kind of like um, Leap. I don't know if that's allowed to be said out loud or not, but yeah. um, similar. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but throughout all my experiences, I've been working in sales, marketing, digital communication, and that's what I always talk about. So I was traveling the world, doing my keynotes, and then after every single keynote, get all these DMs in my Instagram from women. And they would ask me all topics I hadn't even talked about in my keynote. So I was like, okay, noted. This isn't what you want from me. So people always say like, listen to your audience. Um, And I took all those DMs of the last three years and the questions they were asking form the basis of this book. So this book for me is really a crossover. I've always been in sales, marketing, digital communication. This is my first foray into, you know, mindset makeover, self-help, um, more of the personal, uh, vulnerable side of what I've been doing. So definitely fighting a little bit of imposter syndrome, but speaking to what I know. And I'm only an expert of my experiences. And that's what I'm sharing in this book and in this new uh, pivot in my business. Awesome. And so what does it mean to you to be audacious? Well, I've used the word audacity because it's a little bit like some people will think it's maybe a bad word, you know, it's just someone will say like, oh, the audacity of her, I can't believe it. And I did that intentionally. Um, my first book, Digital Persuasion, persuasion is also a word that some people might think, mm, is persuasion a bad thing? Is that manipulative? Is it evil? You know, is it good influence, bad influence? So I like to choose words that are inherently a little bit confusing to people because I feel like it makes it more interesting. There's more to unpack. There's more complexity and messiness to, to draw from. And with Audacity, what drew it to me is that there are so many books about confidence. And the gals after my keynotes were asking a lot about, like, how do you get on stage? How do you raise capital? You know, how do you do what you're doing? And I'm sure you get the same types of questions. And I was looking up all these definitions of confidence. And I'm like, well, there's been a million books about confidence. And, and then I was asking, like, is confidence enough? Like, is that all we need? Like, is that, is that enough for women? to win, even in these times? Like, is it enough for us? And what I found was audacity is sort of confidence's older, bolder cousin, because it's defined a little bit two-faced. Even Webster is a little confused on what it means. Mm. Um, he said, it's it's daring greatly, daring boldly, which of course, sexy. Who doesn't want to dare greatly and boldly? Hello, Brene Brown. We love it. We're here for it. But it says daring greatly and boldly, even if it might shock or even offend. Mm. that's where as women, I think we put the brakes on a little bit because even the ones that have done of us that have done so much work to ghost our inner good girls and to quiet our inner people pleasers, even we don't want to piss off people that we love. We want people that we love to love our thing and love our venture. We want to hear go girl. We don't want to hear no girl. And so a lot of the books I was reading in researching for this, this project, a lot of them were like, well, women are scared to like start. Women are scared to know what to do. And I'm like, not the women that I know. The women that I know know exactly what to do. They know exactly what they want to do. They know exactly how to start. That's not what keeps them stuck. What right. gets them stuck is not the initial action, but it's the reaction, the negative Mm. feedback, the rejection, people being like, whoa, you're too much. That's too much space. That's too much of an ask. People's reactions are where we stutter step and get caught up and get our momentum robbed from us. That's where we lose our way is we don't know how to process people's red lights as green lights because, you know, big actions ignite big reactions. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're doing anything cool, people probably aren't going to respond in a very big way, right? Because it's not that awesome. And so yeah. the book is really about like strategies of how to be audacious, how to how to reframe people's rejection, negative response, shock, offense as actually a great indicator that you're onto something. And the book talks a lot about the fact that intuition is individual and that it's not a collective. Your intuition is not a collective thing. You're, the people around you don't know what's best for you. You do, but it takes audacity to listen to it. So yeah. A lot of the book, really, it talks about the fact that there is some horrible advice out there. The worst advice I've ever heard in my life is like what your mom would say to you when you were in like fifth grade, if the girls were being mean to you on the playground. She's like, just ignore them. Who cares what they think? You're like, all right, not caring what anyone thinks about you is the worst advice. If you are a psycho or a narcissist or someone who's totally insane or a bad human, you don't care what anyone thinks about you. We're all posting on social media because we want a response. We want a feedback. We want people to say, good job, you, and feel the dopamine and everything. Mm-hmm. But the book is not about not caring what anyone thinks because that just means you're an a-hole. What it is about is when the stakes are high and you're at a crossroads and it's time to take it to the next level. It's time to find out what you're made of. It's time to yield to that inner GPS lady. Mm-hmm. It's about caring more about what you think of your choices, what you think mm-hmm. of you. Yep. And that is so much easier said than done. So the book is full of all the grittiest gals I know, their stories, my stories, and just the messiness that really does accompany following your heart and go with your guts. It takes, it takes major guts to go with your gut, as you know. Yeah, totally. And I'm wondering if you can, you keep mentioning teasing us about what's in the book, which I know all of us can't wait to read. Can you give us maybe one, maybe one like standout piece that you share in the book that you feel like really important to share here as people are like, Okay, but like, give me something. How can I, how can I be this? How can I do this? Yeah, well, the book has all kinds of different chapters, depending on what is your particular, um, particular roadblock or obstacle that you struggle with. I personally struggle with all 10 of them, all 10 of the chapters, but um, the chapters are, you know, there's one about facing your fake news fears. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's probably one of the chapters that for me was the most um, emotional to write. And, and the piece of advice there that, that I have used that has worked for me. Um, cause as we said earlier, you know, I'm only an expert in my own experiences, just like, just like you are. And, and so I just spoke from the heart in the book and the face, the fake news fears chapter really talks about the narrative that we tell ourselves. And, um, there's one part in the chapter where I'm going on stage and I, I don't know about you, but I just detest wearing high heels. Like I am, <laughs> skier you're an outdoorsy girl like me but when you're in these corporate gigs they're like you have to dress business casual wear the heels so I would always like carry these carry these heels back and forth from every single keynote every single meeting and then the minute I got off stage I was like oh my tennis shoes like my black high tops like zip them up you know and um I was backstage before a keynote wearing my pink preppy like little j crew dress it's like a legacy corporation you want to fit in you want to be the right look and I saw a post on social media. My friend Brian Fanzo wrote, like, I dare you today to just step into your most authentic self. I dare mm-hmm. you to just be who you really are. And just the thought of stepping into my comfortable sneakers, I was like, oh, I can't wait. And then I was like, well, what if I just wore these sneakers with this pink dress? Now, pause before we like eye roll. We get it. It's basic, medium, brave. This is not Malala brave. This is not Bethany Hamilton <laughs> eaten off by a shark brave. This is yeah. everyday, basic, medium, sweaty, and the Spanx brave. Yeah. But for me in that moment, I was like, I can't do that. And I was so nervous to be judged or like I'm unprofessional. I was just scared to just wear what I was comfortable wearing because of what we're expected to look like and we're expected to do. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I wore the damn sneakers and it sounds stupid, but I ran out onto stage and I I had the most 
incredible time. I laid down on the stage. I got in flow. And at the end of my keynote, I got my very first standing ovation ever. And from that moment, it was like this stupid thing of like showing up in a way that's really you that just unlocked this whole sequence of events. And so in the book, it talks about um, the fact that the narrative we tell ourselves and what we're afraid people are going to say and do oftentimes is not only not true, it's the exact opposite of what's going to happen. Yeah. um, so there's a, a lot of challenges at the end of each chapter. It's, they're called the big deal diary where we kind of walk through some of those fears and, um, and some of the ways that you can identify maybe like the inner good girl that you don't even recognize is still plaguing you from childhood. Mm, yeah, to- she definitely is. Unless you've done the work that she's calling the shots. That yeah. inner child is telling you exactly what to do and everyone else around you. Something I thought of, um, rewinding back a little bit, you were saying, you know, we're afraid of the reaction. We're told to like do less, be less. And it's sort of interesting because for me, like I was told my whole life that I was too much, that I was too bold, that I was too honest, too loud. I remember in college, um, my freshman year of college, I was called a bitch for the first time in my life. Mm -hmm. And I remember it was like a punch to my gut. And I was like, am I a bitch? And it was this crazy thing where like, that was like the first day where I started to think like I'm a bitch and and all of these little things just kept adding up and adding up and adding up and quieting me and slowing me down. Um, And it wasn't until I started working with a coach, gosh, three years ago now, um, where he was, I kind of like talked to him about this and he was like, well, do you think you're a bitch? It's like, well, no. And he's like, you don't think you are at all. And I'm like, no. And he's like, I'll be honest with you. That's not the, that's not the experience I have of you. And he's like, so what if that's not who you are? And I'm like, it was like this again, like, like you had like with the sneakers, like this moment of like, oh my God, like, okay. So maybe I can just be me and let that story just fly away. Yeah. And, and that was one of those moments for me as well, that like completely opened me up to this whole new way of living my life. And it was from that point that I started making big moves and doing big things and realizing, you know, that I could let go of all this stuff that was stopping me from being audacious and stopping me because I was so scared to offend. I was like, I had so many people that would say something to me and I'm like, God, I really don't feel like that was offensive, but I guess it was. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting because, um, well, there's so much to unpack there, which first of all, even that the word bitch in general is a whole other, a whole conversation Mm -hmm. of why that word, what that means, what people are trying to do with it. Um, The second thing I would unpack there is the fact that this happened to you at a younger age and that it it left an indelible mark on you that followed you for so long. And Mm -hmm. so many of us, have that childhood story that has followed us when we were so sensitive and we didn't know any better. And it's, and it's time to ghost that story. Like you said, Um, the third thing I would say is what you're talking about is people's reactions to you, right? People's responses to you, whether it was these gals or, you know, whoever made you believe this narrative. And a big piece of my book that I dive into is the fact that people's reactions to you are just reflections. Reactions are reflections. Reactions are reflections of how, what your big, bold, audacious move, your big, bold, taking up space, your no bullshit, straight shooting comment made them feel. 
Yep. Because when you're writing the books and you're quitting the job and you're going away for eight months and you're traveling the world, what that does is it renders, I read on your website, you said people would say, oh, I wish I could do that. Mm-hmm. It renders the narrative they're telling themselves of why they can't completely false. And that is uncomfortable. When you are being big and bold and audacious, people get pissed off because you're forcing them to look in the mirror and see a version of themselves that they don't want to see. And the minute yeah. you can start to understand that, it's crazy because again, being audacious is not about going around being a totally self-centered asshole and not caring about anybody. It's just that when it comes down to it and it's time to ask for the money, it's time to ignore the haters. It's time to quit the job and go eight months around the world and write the book. It's time to make the big change, to leave behind the addiction, whatever it is that people are struggling with. And if you're listening to this, you know what that Achilles heel is for you. When you're at that critical crossroads, do you care more about what you think of you? That is the ultimate question that we have to ask. And if the answer is no, by the way, no, you actually would rather just play nicely in the sandbox and be super popular and get a million Christmas cards and make everyone love you. By the way, that is totally fine. But then release the angst, release the torture, release the feeling of being pulled in different directions because there's nothing wrong with living the standard life plan and making everybody happy, but release the, the, release the, the not enoughness, the what's wrong with me-ness, the why can't I-ness. And that's, I think the difference is, is that freedom. I mean, the book really ultimately at its core is about achieving freedom Mm -hmm. in our hearts, in our minds and in our souls, because when we are free, then we are in flow. We can align everything else stems from that. It falls into place. You know, when you have those days where it's like your clients are pissing you off, your friends are pissing you off or somehow you spent too much money. Like all of a sudden your whole world is just out of kilter. It always stems back to, you started making these little mini moment choices where you're compromising, 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 and then you went too far and you lost your compass. You lost that ability to listen to your inner GPS lady because, you know, as women, we do know the way we do know you, you do know, you know what you're supposed to be doing. You know, if something feels wrong or icky or that you're in the wrong direction, but because of how we've been groomed and raised, oftentimes we're so quick to just hush that voice and mute that voice. And the book is really about challenging you to make sure that's what you want to do. What have you, what have you done? Like, can you give us a, an example of like how you muted that voice. Like what's, because I feel like that's what people are wondering, like, okay, great. But like how? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So for me, a lot of my stories are business related because I'm, I'm a serial entrepreneur and great. I like to start companies. Yeah. So um, I would say the day that I finally told her to shut the fuck up, if I can say that on your podcast. Yes. Uh, was, it was at 2013. I was in Newport beach, California, and I was standing in front of a table, a conference table, long, shiny table. You could see the Pacific ocean sparkling through the glass. And I was asking a room full of dudes to back my tampon delivery service. Mm. And I had a pile of tampons in the middle of the conference room. And it's all these like Newport beach bros who just came from CrossFit with their Ferraris and they're like really tan. Okay. And in the middle of my pitch, which I'd worked really hard on for like 18 months, this guy grabbed one of the tampons and started throwing it at the other guy. And they were joking around, like daring each other to open one. Like it became tampon, hot potato, grown man, tampon, hot potato. And I'm like, okay, this never happens on Shark Tank. What is going on? Where's Sarah? Where's Barbara? Where's Lori? This yeah. is nightmare. So um, I remember I just started sweating through my Spanx. I had that feeling that we have where you're just like, I just want to die or run away or wake up. Or I and my inner good girl was like, oh my God, just like tell them you're sorry for wasting their time. Just leave. But then I saw all these guys like joking around with this tampon. And I was like, you know what? They have this like attitude. 
You know, they have a duty. They don't care if they look stupid or unprofessional. They're comfortable. They they know they deserve to be at this table and take up space. And I saw this one guy named Todd because there's always a Todd. Always. And I was like, you know what? If Todd is like Todd. I, I, what, what did you mean, Todd? Like, I deserve to be here. I did the work. I showed up. <laughs> like, this is my day, too. And I grabbed the tampon out of his hand and I started using it as a pointer and a microphone for the rest of this. <laughs> well, they leaned forward and they paid attention. And by the end of it, they were like, listen, we bet on the jockey, not on the horse. We don't know a lot about this girl shit, but like, do you have a term sheet? Let's do it. And I raised seven figures of capital to launch the company. Wow. And it was because of that one moment. And this is the takeaway for the listeners is like, it really does come down to that one moment of like, will you tell your inner good girl who wants to run away, who wants to wimp out, who wants to get smaller to shut the fuck up and recognize that you deserve to be there and look around you at all the men, huge generalization, but look at the men that are very confident taking up space. Look at all the badass women, you know, that write books, that run podcasts like you that are happy taking up space. Like look at that inspiration in one of the chapters about caping up so you don't cop out. It's borrowing someone else's superpower mm-hmm. to help activate your own. And that's okay. Right. That's a great bridge. You don't have to always be ready to rock. You can always start small, kind of channel someone else's good vibes until you rediscover your own. So there's all kinds of strategies in the book like that, but that is one of the biggest ones. It's caping up so you don't cop out, especially when the stakes are highest. Yeah. I love that story. I can't, I'm like cringing thinking about being in that experience and that happening. Like and also, like, fuck all those guys. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> like, I can't, how disrespectful. But the thing it's was, different. it's like, it was, but also it's due. There, I mean, this is the reality. Like, these are, a lot of investors are man. A lot of companies are backed by a male. So when you're in that space, we are the minority. And that, that but that's the hand we're dealt. So either you can, like, right. sit around and whine about it and feel sorry for ourselves and why and like post hashtags or whatever. Or you can be like, well, this is the playing field. So how am I going to get in where I fit in and make this shit happen anyway? And so the big thing from that, the takeaway from that was that they wanted to joke around. So instead of me being like, no, I rehearsed this perfectly, the perfection piece is huge as women too, because we we rehearsed and it has to be perfect. And it was like, can you, yes, and it, can you pivot on the fly? Can you kind of borrow from improv and say like, okay, they want to like joke around about tampons, then joke around about tampons. That's just, that's not even like girl power. That's just like being a good salesperson. That's just like find yeah. them where they are, meet them where they are and, you know, play the game where the way they're playing it. Um, and the thing was though, for me, that worked for me because I am comfortable joking around. I'm comfortable. But the thing is you have to find the the way that would work for you. Like that worked for everyone in that same situation. But right. the bottom line is no matter how you would choose to respond to the grown man tampon hot potato game, the bottom line is that you know that you are a big deal mm-hmm. and that you deserve to be there and that everyone in that room is going to treat you exactly how you treat yourself. Yeah. And I think what you said that stood out to me the most is you have to yes and it. Like, I think in those moments when it's like, yes, I feel fear. Yes, I don't know what the hell is going on. Yes, this is not going as planned. And what? Like, yeah. instead of letting that win, just making that power move in that moment and saying like, I'm just going to take this as a redirection and I'm just going to trust that that's exactly what this was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's a really powerful mindset shift of like, let's yes. And this, yep. Now what? Um, Because like, it's like the same thing as like a rejection is a redirection, you know, like every, I have, um, uh, I often like to say it comes from um, 
a book about six figure female earners by Barbara Stanny. I can't remember exactly what the book's called. Um, but it's the idea is where others see challenge, I see opportunity. And so when you see a challenge or you're feeling that, that inner good girl, like, oh God, like I shouldn't do something that might offend them. It's like, but what's the opportunity here? If I step into these shoes, if I put on my, my sneakers and I walk out on that stage, like what's the opportunity on the other side of that? Yeah. Um, yeah. I just really like that. I love that. I love that reframe. And I think that, um, I think that you're absolutely right, especially, um, how you think about, the reflection that like, so these, these investors at the table, they were grossed out because they were uncomfortable. Right. It wasn't because they didn't think I wasn't smart enough or good enough or capable mm-hmm. enough or kind enough or legit enough. It was like, ew, I'm still a fifth grade boy and tampons are gross. So again, like, like we're talking about those reactions are just reflections. So the next time you're in, like, whether it's a relationship moment or a sales moment or a business moment, if someone's freaking out and panicking or calling you a bitch or saying, oh my God, gross, open the tampon. It's because something that you are doing is making them feel uncomfortable. And the more you can remember that, I swear to God, it works for me Mm -hmm. to help me stay the course. And stay in the pocket and stay confident because how many times do we start stuff? We're so excited. And then everyone else's response takes the wind out of our sails. And I'm like, yeah, maybe that was stupid, but deep down it wasn't, we know, we know we're on the right path. And so it's not about ignoring them. It's just about knowing where they're coming from and then having the audacity to be like, kiss my audacity. I'm doing it anyway. Yeah, totally. And it's like, it's like a muscle. The more you do it, the easier it gets, the more second nature it becomes to just do that, to be that, to move through that. And it's like, you and I aren't standing here today as authors and successful entrepreneurs and podcast hosts, because one time we were like, oh, okay, I'll do this instead. It's like, we consistently over and over and over choose to do the audacious thing, to do the thing that is aligned with us. That's that allows us to be in our power, regardless of what other people are saying and doing. So I feel like I want listeners to know, like, this is a practice. This is, I mean, and it could start with something as little as like with your kid or your husband, you know, and pushing back on something rather than letting them, you know, roll over you and putting in that practice. And every time you come up to that crossroads, choosing you, choosing audacity, choosing authentically and choosing your power and not you know, crumbling back to being pushed at you. Yeah. And knowing that every time you step up to that plate, there is a really good chance it's not going to work because for example, PMS.com 18 months later, I had to close it down. I did not get them any return on their seven figure investment. I had to go back to that conference room, eat a huge shit sandwich. I was literally, ironically, the CEO of PMS.com, I stopped getting my period because I was so devastated at the failure. And to your point, it's like these reps, this muscle that we're exercising, but so it's rejection reps. Every screw up is a cue up. Every time that you get another failure wound, that is the only way it's going to heal into that success scar. And when I talk to all the grittiest women that I know, like you said, they have just put in more rejection reps than the average bear. They have more success scars because they were willing to get back up, fuck up a lot, Mm -hmm. say, so what? And try. Again, I mean, anyone that has a story that's like, I bought a camera and then, you know, 10 years later, I'm a millionaire. It's like, no way. No, 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 ma'am. That is not the story. There's no way. Like my story is not a beautiful, like I'm always jealous, like the little quick stories people have. Like I started in the garage and then I had Cliff Bar, you know, like, yeah. so it's like, I'm always like my, my, my line is like up, down, around, like it's like a tangled necklace on a Friday night. You know, it's like, it's just a mess. And 
But the thing is, in the deepest, darkest failures, like in the smoldering ruins of PMS.com, the company, because it turns out, by the way, most women are just responsible adults. They get them at the grocery store. It's not that big of a deal. So it turns out, make sure you're solving an actual like pain point. It's a yeah. need to have, not a nice to have. Anyway, um, but so PMS.com, the company was a disaster. But from the like dumpster fire of the company rose the phoenix, rose the mm-hmm. success of PMS.com, the social media community, which at the time was the internet's largest collection of women coming together, sharing period jokes and memes and brownie recipes and healthcare articles and studies. And and so I realized that I sucked at being a CEO of an e-commerce company, but I was really good. My superpower was actually in that failure. I found that I was good at building social media communities, which is how I launched my third company, which was finally, after the two disasters, finally successful, building social media communities over the last 10 years. And it started with one client at my kitchen table who saw what it at PMS.com. They were like, hey, I know that your company shut down. Can we hire you to replicate that for like our little small local company? And I'm like, yes, I am broke as shit. I can't even pay a cell phone bill. I will do anything. <laughs> yeah. Like hire me. And that one local little camera company, it grew over 10 years working with like the Oscars and the United States Navy and now writing books about it and working with some of the world's biggest companies. And it's all because of like crying in the shower and losing your hair and having the night terrors and all the things that people don't see. They only see the top of the iceberg. And so just keep that in yeah. mind. Like, and if that's not what you want to sign up for, there's no shame in that game either. There's no shame in the corporate game, by the way. You don't have to be this big, daring, crazy entrepreneur that starts companies and searches the world. If that's what your heart desires, do it. But if you're actually super comfortable in your standard life plan, I honor that as well, but make peace with it and make sure that you're living your version of success, not the one handed down to you or the one that you think you should because of what you see on Instagram. Right. Exactly. A hundred percent. And I like what you're saying here too, is like, okay, so just because you're being audacious doesn't mean it's always going to work. But then the next step of that is like, okay, this might not work, but I know that something else is going to come out of it. Like something I feel like I talk about a lot is this idea of trust. And I have a really hard time, like quantifying for lack of a better word, like the way to do it. Like, how did I get to this place of trust that I currently live in? Um, and this is just one more area where you have to just like, you just have to trust that like, if you are living in your power, if you are being taking that audacious step that no matter what the outcome is, it's going to lead you where you're supposed to go as like, as in like buzzwordy, I guess, as that sounds, um, yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love, I love the, well, okay. To your point, like trust the process is such a like glittery Pinterest coffee cup. Yeah. We get that right at the same token. What other choice do we have? Because otherwise we are constantly second guessing everything. We, you have to believe that when you put out there, what you want to the universe, it is going to deliver. Things are going to line up and you'll know it because all of a sudden all these coincidences keep happening. You'll stop, you'll stop feeling like you're walking through mud and you'll start feeling like you're jogging downhill. You'll, you'll just know when you get there. Right. At the same token, I see a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of creatives that just kind of blindly trust Mm. to the point of detriment, which is, I think that as women, oftentimes we're afraid of authorizing ourselves to change our mind Mm. because we're afraid of looking flaky. We're afraid of, oh, well, I'm just not hanging in there long enough. Or you know what men call this? They call, this is obviously a huge generalization, but most men that are in corporate have a terrible buzzword that they use called pivoting. They Mm -hmm. just call, oh, it's, I'm not, I'm not flaky. I didn't make a mistake. I'm just pivoting. And that's again, a great dutitude example of like, 
we can authorize ourselves to trust ourselves to change our mind. So if you find yourself on a path and you're trusting, you're trusting, you're trusting, don't trust yourself into a point of $50,000 in debt. That there's a point where where you have to make those strategic choices as well. And those are audacious as well. So it's, I think what it, it really comes down to is like defining specifically, not just what you're chasing down and what it looks like. But for me, I have to set hard dates and deadlines. And if the universe and myself cannot figure our shit out within like a 30 day window of this deadline, it's not going to happen. Yeah. So um, I think that as women, oftentimes we're afraid of, admitting that maybe it wasn't a great idea or maybe Mm -hmm. that we need something else new because we're afraid of looking like we don't know what we're doing. But everyone, everyone has a certain level of imposter syndrome, especially entrepreneurs. And I have one big, I have not had imposter syndrome in 15 years. And the last six months I've been fighting it so hard because I'm going away from a space where I know I'm an expert only because I've done so many damn campaigns. I've seen so much what does not work. I can speak confidently from my experiences of what I know to be true. Mm-hmm. Going into this new space of self-help and mindset, I'm like, oh my God, I'm such an imposter. Well, I have all these girlfriends just like you that have written these amazing books. And, like, and my one girlfriend, Laura Gassner Otting, wrote a great book called Limitless. And she was like, Aaron, listen to me. She's like, the people who don't have any imposter syndrome at all are the ones who are actually the imposters. Right. And I was like, oh my God, that's so good. <laughs> okay, good. So this is oh, normal. True. She was like, yes. She's like, the, the most successful people in the world are like, when's everyone going to find me out? Because those are the people that care about over-delivering. And so right. if that's you, like embrace that as best you can, even if it's uncomfortable. And that's been sort of, I know you're going to ask what I'm like anchoring on, but like, I'm trying to get more comfortable in the uncomfortable. And that's yeah. sort of like what I'm anchoring on big time, because it's been a long time since I've been out of my, my expert hat zone. And so if you're there, I'm there with you. Um, but we have to do it anyway, because our hearts and our minds are not going to leave us alone until we do, because they know better than us. The intuition will not quiet until we satisfy it with action. So that's where I am. (laughs) Right. I love that. And I, I feel like I'll add to that too. If you're feeling the imposter syndrome, also, if you're feeling fear, like if you're feeling fear, fear to me is a litmus test. If I'm feeling fear, I'm doing something right. If I'm feeling fear, I'm on the right path because if I'm not scared, then I'm living in my comfort zone. So I just want to like, you know, prayer, whatever, praise hand emoji you on that because, um, because I love that, that reminder as well. Thanks, Jessica. Sorry to get Betty White off the couch. She was about huh? to bark. And I was like, we're in a podcast. Don't do oh, it. Okay. Betty White, don't <laughs> bark. We'll talk to you on another episode. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love um, it. Well, I agree with you so much, Jessica, and I love your vibe. And um, I definitely think that you, um, what I like about you is that you are someone who's walking the walk. You know, I think right now in these times, especially Instagram and social media and influencers, I think a lot of people are, are preachy and they're good at being coaches, but not everyone's also a player. Right. And, you know, I like your story. You're like, no, I've done this thing and I've walked this journey. And just like me speaking from my stories, I think we have to be careful of like the inputs that we're receiving, even yeah. you and I with the people that we follow and that we allow to have a voice or an opinion, like our truth tellers, totally. whether they're ones, you know, personally or not, like, let's make sure that we validated them. Let's make sure that they do, they deserve a seat at our table, our yeah. personal board of directors, because a lot of people do give advice that they're just kind of regurgitating with their own spin. And it's like, I want to hear your story. I want to know that, you know, you've cried in the shower and been broke and traveled the world. I want to know that, you know, that you're speaking from a place of, of 
best practices that have worked for you that might trigger a best practice in someone else that's their version of what their action plan should look like. Right, right, exactly. And then you're not just faking it. Like there's just so much lack of authenticity on social media and and people pretending that they're and hey, fake it till you make it. I'm all about it. But like, you know, be careful who you're trusting. Absolutely. I I love that point. Um, well, before we wrap up, this has been such a fun conversation. First of all, I love just like talking with you. I feel like we're very similar people. Um, but what would be like one really important last gem? You want to make sure listeners, if they walk away with nothing else, they walk away with this. Mm, that's a lot of pressure. Okay. <laughs> I would say, um, so right now I'm in a season of climbing. Um, and if you're also in a season of elevating and leveling up and you're chasing something down and you're making that progress, I think that, um, especially as overachievers and as hustlers, we tend to always, like, as soon as we've achieved that one little rung up, we're are looking for the next one. And yeah. I've always been a pretty like present grounded person, but in these times of like, okay, now we published the book. What's the next one? What's the next? I'm trying to just be super intentional about taking a minute to breathe, stop, mm-hmm. look around, take in the view, express mm-hmm. the gratitude, mm-hmm. taste, touch, see, feel it, sense it. Um, and just be really clear that we don't want to just achieve ourselves into a grave, right? right? Like we want to make sure that we take the time to savor those moments. And I think it's easier said than done, especially if you're an overachiever and yeah. whether it's you hit a certain follower milestone or you hit a fiscal goal, or you hit a health goal or whatever, take a minute and remind yourself that you're kind of a big deal. <laughs> Pat yourself on the back, say good job you, and just take a minute to love on yourself because you've earned it and you deserve it. Yeah. Hell yes. I love that. Be audacious, live in your power, and then freaking remind yourself that you're a badass every step of the way. I love, love, love it. Um, and I would ask you what you're getting intentional about, but I think you've just, you've just told us really savoring in it, enjoying all the books that just landed in your home, your hardcover book. I'm so excited for you. Thank you. Um, thank you. Well, actually, before we sign off, just tell listeners, where can they connect with you if they want to chat with you more or whatever? I hate Instagram, but I'm on there all the time. So <laughs> at Mrs.Aaron.King. And then uh, I'm also up in the club. I've spent a little time in the old clubhouse lately. Oh, I don't know if you're doing clubhouse, but um, I have Android, so I can't. So I'm one of oh, those darn. losers. I mean, I don't consider myself a loser because I like Android. I have an, a Mac. I live on my Mac but I'm not an iPhone person. So that okay. means I'm not, I'm not cool enough for the club, I guess. I did not know that clubhouse was not on Android. That's interesting. Yeah, it hasn't been, maybe it is now, I guess. But when like all the initial like invites were flying around, it was, yeah. it was iPhone only. So I was like, sorry guys, I, I, say, I won't have another thing in my queue. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I will say um, it is a huge time commitment and I have met some really rad women on the platform. All right. So if you're feeling like you need to stack up your team abundance bench with some new faces and some yeah. new ideas, might be worth the worth a peek. All right. Well, thank you again so much for taking the time to be here. This was a really awesome conversation. Thanks for having me, Jessica. Yeah, and thank you listeners for being here with us and we'll catch you on another episode of Mindset Reset Radio.